Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. I'm so happy to see you. Give Jesus the glory with me, would you? Okay, like he is so worthy of all of our praise, adoration. I want to say thank you to Heaven's Hidden Heroes. Dan Ripley is one of them, our chairman of deacons. He's a servant leader, the prototype man of God, woman of God that serves so faithfully, consistently. I want you to hear his story because you know of a lot of our leaders. You see me almost every Sunday, but the great leaders sometimes are the people you really see. There are different kinds of leaders. Some lead from the front, some lead from the rear. And so uh, I want you to see yourself as a leader. You may not know what kind of leader yet, but God's called us all to be leaders. And the book of Acts is all about leadership. As we study from the book of Acts, the leadership principles of true spirit-led leadership. We're going to see in Acts chapter 6 today, this principle right here, that in a healthy church, every member is a minister. There are no spectators. There are only participators. Now, what I have right here, church, are real bleacher seats that came out of Arrowhead Stadium. Like, these are the real deal. So when Arrowhead was renovated a number of years ago, they actually took 70,000 bleacher seats, put them on sale, and somebody bought them. And it's amazing because this is a real piece of memorabilia. For many, many years, even decades, people would come to Arrowhead. They would sit in these seats where they would watch the professionals play. And they would cheer them on. I mean, they were true fans, I'm sure, right here in these seats. And I have them up here today, you understand, because the average church in America looks pretty much like this. Lots and lots of people come, sit in the stands, and watch a few people worship, watch a few people serve, watch a few people minister. And I want you to know that a true church, I mean the book of Acts kind of church, not the modern American churchianity where there's these fans of Jesus, 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 he's our man, let's give Jesus a great big hand and people sit and we all cheer for Jesus, team Jesus, yeah, you guys go. No, the reality is the church is more than a building, it's a body, which means God's work is teamwork which means every single person has a part to play. Every person has a position. No one simply is a spectator. Everybody is a player. And today is the day, if you're still in the stands, I'm gonna ask you to stand up, raise your hand, and say, put me in, coach. I wanna be on the roster. Show me a place to play. Because my hope for you as your pastor, listen, it really is singular. My hope every time I preach is that you would grow to be stronger spiritually, that you would grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. And you understand, you cannot come to church like the average person in America, just come, sing, sit, listen, and leave week after week after week and really grow spiritually. You may grow intellectually, you may grow theologically, but you cannot grow spiritually if you just come to church, sit, listen, and leave. That would be like going to a fitness club. Of course, this is the time of year where all the fitness clubs are packed with people. All the New Year's resolutions. I didn't mean it last year. I really mean it this year. I'm going to get back to the fitness club, and I'm going to get healthy, and I'm going to make some life decisions, new choices, and by March every year, things go back to normal. You know that, right? Yeah, think about this for a moment. This would be like, I'm going to go to the fitness club, and I'm gonna get healthy, and I wanna get stronger, and I'm gonna go and watch other people work out for two hours. 
And then I leave after two hours and I think, man, what a workout. I feel better. No, it doesn't make any sense to go to a fitness club, watch other people work out, and think that's gonna work for you. It doesn't make any sense. You're gonna come to church and watch other people serve, watch other people play, and you think you're gonna grow and get stronger spiritually. You're not going to. And the Bible's very clear. God has a plan for your life. He wants you to grow in Christ-likeness. We all begin spiritually where we did physically in a place of infancy. When you take your first step to follow Jesus, receive him as your Lord and Savior, what Jesus called being born again, you're now a new Christian, but he wants you to grow. And it's kind of like a church. What's true of you personally, physically, is also true of a church. Remember, the church is not a building, it's a body. We're the living, breathing body of Christ. You see, we're more than an organization. We're an organism. And just like that first church started with 120 people, we talked in Acts 2 a week ago, our church, 23 years ago, when our church called me to be their pastor, ironically, there's about 120 people, 98 adults, and some kids. And, uh, and we started out as this little church, we couldn't lift a lot of weight. Uh, and, and we kept lifting that weight, and we got stronger over the years. Now, I'm gonna do something today I've never done before, and we may never do this again. In fact, I predict this is one time only. I'm gonna to try to illustrate today with these weights. And before I do, let me just say a couple of things. Number one, I am not trying to impress you with how strong I am. Because I'll promise you, I'm not very strong anymore. I used to be, I'm not now. Compared to those who are actually really strong, I'm not strong. In fact, every time I go work out, it is a reminder that my body's in decline. <laughs> I am past my prime. This body is under the curse of Adam's sin. I am past the year of Jubilee. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? That's church talk, okay? The year of Jubilee is 50, okay? So I'm past the year of Jubilee. I found no Jubilee in 50 whatsoever. Every time I work out, it's a reminder that my body is in decline and the window of opportunity is slowly closing. It's a reminder that I better move faster than ever with urgency for the sake of eternity because one day it's gonna be over. And it's true of us all. The window of opportunity is declining on us all. It's slowly, slowly closing on everybody. Only one life to live, it'll soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. So here we were 23 years ago. We're just this little church in infancy, and we couldn't lift a lot of weight. We weren't very strong, but we began to lift a little bit of weight. This is 135 pounds. It's not very much weight. But I remember the first time I ever got underneath 135 pounds, guys, I was about 14, 15 Ninth grade, I wasn't very strong. I'd never lifted any weight, and I couldn't get it off my chest. I wasn't very strong. I was young. But what happened? Over the course of years, I kept lifting that weight. I got a little stronger. I could lift weights that were a little heavier. Kind of like our church 23 years ago, we weren't very strong. We were just a small church, but we started lifting the weight God gave us to carry. We started trying things that seemed impossible at the time. It was a heavy, heavy weight for the church that we were. Now, here's the point. You keep lifting that weight, eventually what was once hard becomes easy. 
Do you understand God wants you to grow spiritually the same way you do physically is not by coming and sitting and watching other people play, watching other people serve. You have to exercise your spiritual muscles. And one of the ways you do that is serving. So here you have this little church that we were. We were lifting what was actually an easy weight, but for us it was a heavy weight. Now we got stronger, we grew, so that now we could carry more weight. And that is true of the first church in Acts chapter 6. So last time you saw 120 people got filled with the Holy Spirit. The church was born, and on that day, the church exploded into 3,000 people. Now fast forward, it's a few weeks later, probably a few months later, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. If you're ready for this, say, let's go. Here we go. Acts 6 and verse 1. Now in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying... There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Now, here's what's amazing to me. It's a few months later. They exploded by 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. Now it's a few months later. It is still multiplying. Now we don't even know how many there are. It's just called a multitude. The implication is nobody knows. I mean, it's now thousands and thousands. This is what amazes me when I hear people say things like, well, abundant life. That church is just too big. Well, you would not have liked the first church, the book of Acts. See, only American Christians say things like this. Well, abundant life, that church is too big. You know what they said 20 years ago? Oh, I'm not going to that church, it's too small. See, only in American churchianity with this consumeristic mentality do we say those kind of things. The first church was the first ever mega church. It exploded to 3,000 in one day. Now it's thousands and thousands and thousands. Let me make this clear. We're not trying to be a bigger church, but we are trying to be a biblical church. And if you're a biblical church, you have a passion for the Great Commission, which means multiplication, kingdom expansion. Heaven forbid we should ever say, oh no, we don't care about anyone else that needs Jesus, we're just a social club, the spiritual fitness club. There's too many people here already. See, I want you to see what Jesus said. You're to be a city set on a hill. He didn't say you're a little town set on a hill. He didn't say to be a little village set on a hill. He said we're called to be a city set on a hill. Jesus didn't die for 10 people. He died for the world. Which means if our vision is any smaller than reaching the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, we have the wrong vision. And that's why we have this vision of multiplication, kingdom expansion. That is what's happening now in this church at Jerusalem. But with growth comes growing pains. And this little church that's exploded now into thousands from 120, they're having some growing pains. And it's starting to cause a division in the church. Look at what happens. It says, now in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So basically, when the widows would come to the food pantry, it seemed like there was favoritism, there was partiality between the Hellenists and the Hebrews. It'd be like, you know, we have this amazing food pantry back here, served over 70,000 individuals in our city a year ago. And it'd be like, well, it seems like there's favoritism. When somebody's wearing a Kansas Jayhawk sweatshirt, they get more groceries. (laughs) That would never happen here. But they seem to be getting a little favoritism, a little extra attention than when they show up with a Mizzou sweatshirt. I don't know why. (laughs) There's this growing division in the church. That's what was going on with the Hellenists and the Hebrews. The Hebrews were Jewish people who still spoke Hebrew. 
the Hellenists were Jewish people that spoke Greek. Remember, by this time, over the course of centuries, many Jews have been carried away captive into other places in the world. Greek was the common language that people spoke worldwide at this time. And so there were Jews that spoke Greek and Jews that spoke Hebrew, and there appears to be partiality or favoritism toward those that still spoke Hebrew. Now, we don't know that it was favoritism. What might have been, frankly, the problem is that were there too few people trying to do the work that demanded lots and lots of people? You still had the 12 apostles trying to do all the work, and the work was too much for just a few. And so we see something happen in this early church where they begin to multiply themselves in others and give away ministry to others. Look what happens here. Then the 12, this is the apostles, summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we made a point over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, as we get ready for our leadership summit, February 3rd and 4th, everyone is invited. Everybody needs to be there. Everyone is someone's leader. I want to give you some basic leadership principles from the book of Acts. Here it is. Here's what we just saw. Leadership principles is spirit-led leaders multiply themselves. Spirit-led leaders don't hang on to control. They give away control. See, they multiply themselves. What you have here is the 12 apostles. They're now doing for others what Jesus had done for them. Remember, for three and a half years, Jesus had multiplied himself in them, knowing the future of this vision of a kingdom would now be carried by them. And now the work is way too big for them. And so what are they doing? They're now multiplying themselves in others. And do you understand that is the goal of leadership, the goal of leadership for us all in whatever capacity, whether you're a single mother, that makes you a leader. Whether you're a father and that's your only title, that makes you a leader. The goal is to multiply yourself in others. And that is the nature of the church as a body. Listen, it is not for spectators. No one gets to sit in the bleachers. Every single person is on the roster. Every single person has a position. Now we see in Acts 6, the first deacons emerge. You've heard of deacons. Deacon is an office of the church. And you see the first deacons emerge. Now last week I told you Acts is primarily written for church history. It's the epistles written primarily for church theology. And so you have this history of how deacons emerge. If you go over to 1 Timothy chapter 3, you have further details about deacons. Who are they? Dan Ripley is the chairman of deacons in our church. And just as you see in Acts chapter 6, deacons primarily care for physical needs so that the pastors can care for spiritual needs. Now, don't misunderstand. We have deacons, all of which care for people's needs physically so the pastors can minister to people's needs spiritually. But our deacons also are ministering spiritually. In fact, 1 Timothy 3 says they need to be apt to teach. 
And every single one of them, Dan has discipled innumerable numbers of men in the last 20 years. I'm so thankful for Dan Ripley. And I love Dan's story because you probably never heard of Dan Ripley unless you're a deacon or maybe in his personal sphere of friendships. I love these kind of leaders. Because some of you think, well, if I'm not like Pastor Phil or Chad, I mean, he's the king of smooth, king of cool. I can't be like Chad. I guess I'm not a leader. No, listen carefully. Leadership is not about personality. It's not. Some leaders lead from the front. Some leaders lead from the rear. But everybody is somebody's leader. Leadership is about influence. It's not a title. You may never have the title deacon. But listen very carefully. The word deacon comes from the Greek word diakonos. It simply means servant. And every single one of us are called to serve. Every single one of us are meant to function in some way as a deacon, as a diakonos. We're all called to serve, to get out of the stands, no longer being just a Jesus fan, and get on the field and begin to serve. This is how you get stronger spiritually. This is how you grow spiritually. It's not by coming to church and watching other people serve, watching other people sing, watching other people minister. Oh, you guys go, 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 abundant life, we're for you. No, the reality is you're on the roster. You've made the cut. You're not even on the JV. You're on the varsity. All you got to do is say, I'm no longer satisfied in the stands. I don't want to simply be a fan. I'm going to raise my hand, put me in. And some of us have been sitting in the stands far too long. This is where you begin in infancy. The stands are sometimes called the high chair. There's a lot of us sitting in the bleacher seats of the church watching other people play. You know, sometimes it's, it's the, the high chair, which is kind of the eye chair. This is where everybody begins, right here. I mean, you've had little ones. I had little ones. Now they're in their 20s. Before that, they were in their toddlers. My daughter, precious thing, she's in her 20s now, but we still tease her once in a while. Her first ever word, she was in the high chair. Mama was feeding her something she obviously liked. Her little feet were kicking. Before she said any other words, we heard this come out of her mouth over and over again that day. Want, want more. Want, want more. Want, want more. Here, here's the point. You begin in a place of infancy, somebody else feeds you personally, but eventually the mark of maturity is you don't need to be spoon-fed anything. You've grown up, now you can feed yourself, and it's no longer somebody serving you, it's now you serving them. That's the difference between being an infant and being a grown-up, and today is the day that some of us need to stand up and grow up, get out of the high chair, the my chair, and say, I wanna serve somebody, I want a part to play as a member of this body. And understand, this is exactly what Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter four and verse 11. What we just saw historically in Acts 6, Paul's gonna write about it theologically in Ephesians 4.11. He, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know what Paul just said? Listen, God gave people with titles, specific offices in the church, from apostle to prophet to pastor teacher. That would be my title, the pastor teacher. But listen, our work is not to do the work. Our work is to equip you to do the work. That's my work. 
You won't see, in, in our case, Andy Reid running onto the field saying, Mahomes, get out of the way. I got this one. You're not going to see that, I guarantee. No, that's not his job, is it? It's not his job to run on the field and take the hike. See, your pastors, in, in this sense, are the coach. And it's not our job to do the job of the ministry. Our job is to equip others to do the job of the ministry. And that's what he's saying. Our purpose, the apostles, the prophets, the pastor, the teacher, is to equip the saints. Everybody say, moi. Yeah, you're the, you're the saint. That, that's you. That's you. That's me. We're all saints in the eyes of God. No longer sinners. We become saints. What does he say? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. Meaning the body gets stronger and healthier when there's 100% participation. No 80-20 rule at Abundant Life. No 80-20 rule in the first church, the book of Acts. You guys know what the 80-20 rule is, Right? It's almost everywhere. Your place you work, where you go to 80% of the work done by 20% of the people. No, the reality is a healthy church, it's 100% of the people doing 100% of the work. Nobody's trying to do everything because everybody's doing something. And that is when a church gets healthier, it gets stronger, because ultimately the work is too heavy, it's too much for just a few. We have to overcome the consumer church in America. This is not the New Testament church, what it's become. The missional church is what it's become. I need some Jesus fans to come out here right now, Jesus fans, and get in these stands as we talk about this, because this is the average church in America. Give it up for the Jesus fans, would you? I mean, these are the ultimate fans. Let's go. This is, this is the consumer church, consumers right here. Yeah, that's a good message, Pastor. That's a good message. Everybody do this with me. Everybody, 100% participation, remember? Do this. Gimme, gimme, gimme. What do you got for me? What can the church do for me? Serve me. Bless me. See, this is what Jesus fans do. The fans are in the stands. Gimme, 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 what do you got for me? This is the consumer mentality. Understand, consumerism is what built the largest economy ever in human history. What is consumerism? It's wanting the biggest bang for the buck, meaning I want the most I can get for the least I have to give. I mean, this is how I choose a restaurant. It really is. The older I get, I find myself reverting to my teenage years. Hey, you know what? You could buy a Big Mac this week at McDonald's, get a second one for a dollar. See, that's consumerism. Most I can get for the least I have to give. So guess what? I didn't get that. I got a Big Mac and then I got the chicken nuggets for a dollar. Some of you going, oh, that's so gross. <laughs> it's consumerism. I spent six bucks on lunch. I got full. Got a lot for a little. Now think about it. when you come to church and you say, who's going to give me the most for the least I have to give? That body is going to become lazy. That body is going to become unhealthy. All of a sudden, that body, I'm talking about the church, you and me, begins to atrophy in the same way if all you do is sit in the stands and watch other people lift and watch other people work out. You're not going to get healthier. You're not going to get stronger. You're going to atrophy spiritually in the same way you would atrophy physically. 
This is the consumer mentality. I go to church. Look at what it says. Church is seen as a dispenser of religious goods and services. People come to church to be fed, to have their needs met through quality programs, and to have the professionals teach your children about God. This is the mentality, I go to church. You understand the early church, the early Christians of the book of Acts never thought one time, hey, we need to go to church. Never entered their mind. Church was not a location, it was not a building, it was a movement. It was not a weekend event. And so what we have in a consumeristic mentality toward church is I go to church because I'm gonna get something from church. And here's what happens. I need your seat for a minute, please, please, fan. I know I'm calling an audible right now. Thank you. Here's what happens. Most of the time when you're in the stands, That's good, Pastor. It's what happens at Arrowhead. I, don't you love, I mean, I love watching people in the stands. They haven't strapped on a pair of shoulder pads for 30 years. A big old beer gut hanging over. I can't believe Mahomes. Are you kidding? Why didn't you see that? What's the matter with him? Woo! Come on. Woo! <laughs> really, you couldn't so much as finish a 40-yard dash, and you're going to criticize Mahomes. Really? Amen. It's really easy to critique from the stands. Yeah. Amen. This is the average church in America. Lots of critics, lots of critiques, usually by people in the nosebleed seats. Not you guys personally. You're my people up there, okay? (laughs) Best seat in the house. I'm just saying, people got no skin in the game. It's easy in the bleacher seats. It's easy to show up at Arrowhead. I pay my way. I get my popcorn. Other people play. It costs me nothing. You know what I love about Dan Ripley? He's been in the game, faithful, consistent. Most people are fickle more than faithful. And that's what God is looking for, people that will no longer have one foot in, one foot out. Sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm not. People who want to play, to leave it all on the field. The early church never thought, I go to church. What they thought is, I am the church. We are the church. The missional church is not the consumer church. What to say, a body of people sent on mission who gather in community for worship, community encouragement, and teaching from the word in addition to what they self-feed themselves through the week. That's the biblical church. That's the church we desire at Abundant Life. Right there would be a great place to cheer. if you're. Oh, yeah. Yes. And what that means is some of us need to get out of the bleachers. I mean, really. We all begin in the high chair. We all begin in the bleacher seats. But Jesus said this, the son of man himself came to serve, not simply be served and give his life a ransom for many. As you grow up spiritually, you're not just waiting for other people to serve you. No, now you're serving them too and you're giving your life a ransom for others. Why do we follow Jesus? You wanna talk about leadership. I follow Jesus, I'll tell you why. Not simply for what he said, but for what he did. He laid down his life. That's what a leader does. And that's why I follow him. It's not simply what he said, but what he did. If you're not bleeding, you're not really leading. See, Jesus led because he bled. That's another place. I I think so too. See, there's a cost to get out of the bleacher seats. I mean, there is. It's hard on the field. When you decide I'm gonna be a player, not a spectator, there is a cost, there is. But the blessings are great. 
when you get out of the bleachers and you decide, I'm going to serve. I'm going to give Jesus all I have. And I want to give those to you. Number one is this. You will grow spiritually. You cannot grow spiritually if you just come for a Bible study. Now, churches like ours, we're all about the Bible study. Like we did the book of Daniel verse by verse last year. Who does that anymore? We do. I did the book of Leviticus verse by verse. Who does that? I don't know anybody that does that. You know, I did. That's how committed we are to Bible study. Some of you couldn't find Leviticus with a flashlight. We're going to do a book study again this year. I don't know what it is. It's kind of a flyover of the book of Acts. We're going to drill down deep in another book after Easter sometime, go verse by verse, haven't decided yet what it's going to be. I'm trying to be spirit-led. Still praying about that. But I want you to see, you're not going to grow spiritually if you're just into the Bible study. I love me some BSF. We host BSF right here on uh, Wednesdays for the lady. Uh, we, we are all about the Bible study. Tuesday night, men's Bible study, women's Bible study. But listen carefully. Do you understand if all you do is grow in what you know, theologically, intellectually, you will still not grow spiritually? Until you decide, I've got to lift some weight. I've got to put my hands to the work. You're not going to, what happens to a sponge if all it does is soak up water and it just sits there and does nothing? It never gets wrung out. Let me tell you what happens. You know what happens. It gets a little stinky. A sponge gets a little sour. Do you understand some of the stinkiest, sourest Christians I have ever known in all my life are the ones that know the most about the Bible? Just saying. The problem is not what's... That's some good preaching. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. I have to cheer for myself here. You want to grow spiritually, it demands you get involved in the work of the ministry. It's not just built on Bible study. This is Barton Stormy Cox's church house one week ago outside of Pleasant Hill, Missouri. I was having a conversation last fall with Bart Cox. I've known him for years, been friends for years, lost touch for several years. And he told me that he's been kind of apathetic spiritually. I mean, he was kind of confiding in me last fall that he kind of grown a little bit lazy. He was once in the game. He hadn't been in the game. COVID did this to a lot of people. They used to be in the game and now they're not. They're watching church or they're going to church, but they're not being the church. COVID made a lot of us lazy. It was just easy. And he was kind of confiding in me, Bart, like, you know, I've kind of grown apathetic spiritually. He was in the bleachers. I talked to him about maybe starting a church house. He's watching Abundant Life every week. Why don't you think about a church house? Here's this new move of God that we're fostering and putting some structure to it. And so he did. This was last week, Barton Stormy Cox in their basement, and he sent me a text. It made my day after last week, one week ago today. Hey, brother, exclamation point. Come on. Notice men do exclamation point, no emoji. Just an observation. Just a quick text to let you know that things are going strong. We're having growth in numbers and in faith. We had 19 today and expect 25 plus by next week. We had an inquiry about baptism, some really great individual takeaways from today's message. And one young couple getting married this summer asked me if I would marry them. That'll be a first for me. He says, brother, dot, dot, dot. 
I'm being used by God to serve his people. I feel alive. Of course you do. You're alive, man. Bart, I love you. If I could, big chest bump, I'd hug you up. I'm so proud of him. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to overcome the age of professionalism. Historically, all church people have been taught to do is call the pastor. That's wrong. The age of professionalism, do you understand that you're a priest of God already? Revelation 1 and verse 5, that you also have the spirit of God, that you have the word of God, that you too are a minister of God? It's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Jesus said, I hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. He says to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter two, he commended them because the church at Ephesus hated it too. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans was a doctrine that began with an early Christian heretical sect. It taught this, that there's a separation between the pulpit and the pews. It comes from two Latin words, nico, to conquer, latens, the laity, to conquer the laity. Meaning only if you're official clergy are you special enough, spiritual enough to actually do the work of the ministry. So all the normal people need to just sit and listen. I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you what to think. Jesus said he hates it. And that very philosophy still persists today in modern American Christianity, where only people who have a degree, only people who stand on the platform like me can do the work of the ministry. He hates it. There's no separation between clergy and laity. We are one body, the body of Christ. And you will never feel alive spiritually until you have a position, you get out of the bleachers and you get on the field. Number two is this, you will find biblical community. Hey, you can sign up for Group Connect. I hope that you do. If you're in a church house, you already have built-in community. What are groups at Abundant Life? You come to an on-site, kind of a brick and mortar, traditional campus to worship, but there's a small church in the middle of this large church. Group Connect is the place to do it. You can sign up before you leave, but listen carefully. If all your small group does, is plan another potluck social, you will never have true fellowship. If it's just, hey, let's get together and watch the Chiefs game, you will never have true Christian fellowship. It will stay forever shallow, it'll stay forever superficial, and the odds are eventually it'll break up because part-time commitment, when the cost gets too high, you'll lose your community. I mean, if all it is is, hey, who's bringing the side, I'm bringing the dessert, that's as far as a lot of us get. On the other hand, when you're in the foxhole with someone else, that like you are going to war for the things that matter, you're leaving it all on the field together, and you're fully participating in the things that really, really matter, and everybody has a part to play, that is true fellowship. I was going through my dad's things last fall. I found some things I hadn't seen in years and years. This is a picture. I couldn't find the pictures. This is the proof of media days at University of Kansas, my freshman year. That's the football player, Phil, freshman, Kansas football player. I thought there's something wrong with this picture besides the fact that it's Kansas, okay? I'm all dressed up for the game, but there is no game. It's like a lot of Christians. We get dressed up for the game. We just don't get in the game. Get dressed up for church. I'm just not being the church. 
I thought, something wrong with that picture. There is no blood on it. There is no mud on it. There is no sweat on it. I'm telling you, one day, I'm going to stand before Jesus, and I don't want to have a jersey that is clean. I want my jersey to be streaked with blood and mud and sweat because I gave it all that I had on the field. I left nothing in reserve. You see, there's a caustic on the field. There are times you're going to get bruised. Yes, you're going to get hurt. I've been hurt over. You got church hurts. You want to talk church hurts? No, I don't mean by my last church. I mean this church. Yeah, I hear all the stories about membership been hurt by leadership. How about leadership gets hurt by membership? Sometimes I think pastors are the only ones that can't be hurt. Everybody else is hurt. Listen, I've been hurt. You've been hurt. We've all, life is hard. I love what Dan said. He came broken. Life had been hard on him. Life is hard on us all. I'm not trying to minimize your pain. I'm saying we got to learn to play with some pain. We can't let the pain take us out of the game. If you're not healthy, if you're injured, we'll help you get healthy. Abundant Life Counseling Center may be your next step. Region may be your next step. But you can be healthy and still play with pain. I'm playing with pain. And I'm not going to stop till I see Jesus. Yes, I'm going to have a jersey that is streaked with sweat and blood and mud. I'm going to leave it all on the field. Will you come? Will you get in the game? That's where true community is found. Let me tell you, I have community with these guys because they're not really fans. They're in the game. I know I can count on you. You've been proven faithful, not fickle. There's a third thing, and it's this. Your life will impact eternity. I want my life to matter. Lots of things I could give my life to that don't last forever. And only as you're taking the word of God, investing it in the souls of men, only as you're living to advance his kingdom will your life really matter. And who doesn't want their life to matter? I want to live and give my life for the things of eternity. I want an ROI, return on investment, and it's the lives that are changed by Jesus. This is Kay Fields sitting right down here. Kay and Lanny Fields, I love you. It's an honor, a joy to be your pastor. I drove to her house this week to take this picture. I've been Kay's pastor since 2009. But long before I was her pastor, she was my Sunday school teacher. Second grade Sunday school class, sometime mid-1970s. I'm the kid that's a hit above all the other kids. And there's Kay Fields, my Sunday school teacher. Could she have known that there was a little kid in that class that would one day be her pastor? Hey, guys, I'm being honest with you. We are battling for the next generation, and we need you. If you're wondering where you ought to serve, I, I'm going to tell you the truth about our church. I will never make everything sound rosy when it's not. There are certain things we are doing awesome. We get an A in. There are certain things we're not. Our attendance is at an all-time high. That means the demand is greater than ever. You look around, you think, well, all these people here, they don't need me. What difference could I make? You don't understand. Just like in the first church, it's in our church. The more people only means the greater the need. It doesn't diminish. It's just more. Our attendance is at an all-time high, but our volunteer levels are not what they were even pre-COVID. Our volunteer numbers have not come back. Our attendance has. 
And we're not being living proof of a loving God to a watching world when people bring their kids back to this kid's wing and there is a room that is closed, not because we don't have space for their kids, but because we don't have the leaders. It's a tragedy. And I gotta tell you, leaders minister through people, not merely to people. What that means is we have a family ministry we're gonna be launching with back to school. You know what that means? We're not trying to minister to your kids. We're trying to minister through you to your kids. Kids ministry at Abundant Life is a ministry to parents. There is no kids ministry without parents. If I've got a toddler or a baby, I know where I'm serving. If everybody took a turn, nobody would have to do it every week because everybody's doing some week. And then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to move up with my kids back here in this kid's wing as a small group leader. And as they grow up from that kid's wing and enter into student ministry, I'm going to be a fusion group leader. We're fighting for your children. Will you fight with us? For the next generation, today is the day to get out of the bleachers. Don't simply go to church or take your kids to church, but say, I am the church. I'm taking personal responsibility. I'm just telling you, we're doing a lot of things good, some things we're not. We had 15 ushers for this service pre-COVID. Now we have five. The last two weeks, I love to walk around and worship where you are in the middle, you know, because we're a body. There's no doctrine of the Nicolaitans here. I'm not the guy going to come out from back of house, come preach, and then I disappear. I want to be with you. I'm one of you. We're one body. That's why I do this. Uh, but as I'm worshiping, I'm walking. For two weeks in a row, guess what I've ended up doing? Ushering. I don't mind doing that. But I shouldn't have to do that. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's good. Amen. Come on. I'm trying to tell you today that today is the day to grow up. He says, no longer be a child tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. I've died to do this today, speaking the truth in love. For some of us, it's time to grow up. Stand up. Say, put me in. I want a position. You're on the roster. He says, grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, here it is, we're one body, joined and knit together. He has joined our lives together, interdependent on one another. Just like your body is joined together, every single part has something to play in the health of your body. He's saying that about every single person who has a position according to the effective working by which every part does its share. You're a part of this body, are you doing your share? Because when everyone does its share, look what happens. It causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It takes a team. God's work is teamwork. That's right. That's right. Which means it takes every Abundant Life member. Every member is a minister. Nobody's a spectator. Everyone is a player. Take out your phone right now. Scan this QR code. You say, I don't know where to serve. We will help you find your position. We will help you find your passion. It might be the next steps class as your next step. It might be you just need to stand up and say, put me in. I want to get on the field because I'll promise you, we are lifting more weight than ever. In the early days, this was an easy weight to lift. 
And in those early days, it was a hard weight to lift. It was a heavy weight to lift. But we kept lifting heavy weight at Abundant Life as a body, doing harder and harder things. And we got stronger and stronger and stronger. Do you understand that my role as your pastor is to make sure our vision demands divine intervention because what used to be hard becomes easy. And just like your body personally will atrophy, a church as a body can atrophy spiritually if we're not constantly upping the weight, pushing harder and harder weight, everything we do. I wanna make sure it's heavier than we can possibly do. Because if we can explain it, God didn't do it. So every single two-year run, we're now in the irresistible campaign. We put a little more weight on the bar. It gets just a little bit harder every single time. And that's the only way a body keeps growing, keeps getting stronger. 135 pounds when I was 15. It was hard. It became easy. I grew up. I got stronger. 23 years later, in the life of our church as a body, once was once really hard has become easy. We got to keep putting more weight on the bar, doing hard things. We're going to the crossroads this year, taking the gospel to the heart of our city. We'll soon be going to Overland Park, Kansas with another campus, kingdom expansion, doing harder and harder things, demands more and more hands and people getting out of the stands. So I'm going to do this. I don't know how it's going to go. So I did it once already. It's 225 pounds. 225, it's really not that much. I'm gonna do the best I can. Here we go. Up, 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 Sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. on me. That's on me. Got it. He's good. Aren't you glad they got out of the stands? <laughs> Told you, I'm not trying to press you with how strong I am. I'm not strong anymore. I used to be. I'm trying to make a point. No matter how strong our church is, eventually is too much for a few. We need more hands, people getting out of the stands. God's calling your number. He's calling your name to get in the game. And if you will, if you already are, I'm thankful for you. If you're not, but you're ready to today, I'm gonna ask you to stand at all of our campuses all of our church houses, one body, one family, in many locations. But please don't stand if you're not serious. It's okay if you're not ready. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything today. If you're standing, you mean it. I'm gonna stand up, I'm getting out of the stands. I'm gonna find a place to serve. Scan this QR code. If you don't know what to do, we'll help you. 
God's going to do amazing, unexplainable, seemingly impossible things when everybody takes their hands to help push. Jesus, take us, I pray. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, together, you brought us together to truly do together what none of us could do by ourselves. It's hard on the field. The cost is great, but the cause is yet greater. And I thank you, God in heaven, for the hundreds, even thousands of people that together call abundant life their home, their family, their team. Lord, thank you through the years. So many have given, so many have served. I pray, God, you'd help us to do even greater things in the years ahead. For your great namesake, for your glory, we offer our lives to you freely. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.